Welcome to Studio RC, an encouragement of both your recovery and your faith. My name is Pastor Max, and I am an alcoholic, and I'm sober today only by the grace of God and the fellowship of the program as is contained in the recovery literature. I'm also a follower of Jesus, and, and we're going to continue in our little mini-series on Lent and preparation for Easter. Today, we're going to focus on Good Friday, and I'm going to share with you a message that I would, I, I, I consider to be one of my life messages. This is a, an important message that um, if I had the opportunity, I would share every year on Good Friday. And I've had the opportunity to share it many times, but this is an important message that, that I have, um, that God has given to me and that I want to share here uh, for Studio RC. And it's called uh, Good Friday. The day is long, but is death is short. And Good Friday is the Friday before Easter, the day on which Christians observe the crucifixion of Jesus, Jesus dying on the cross. And from the earliest days of Christianity, Good Friday was observed as a day of sorrow, of penance, and of fasting. On Good Friday, Christ's death was a sacrifice so that we could receive eternal life. That, that picture of a spiritual awakening, that, that picture of being reborn, it, we needed all that Christ did to open up the opportunity to experience the fullness of that. The Bible tells us that Jesus bore our sins, our shame, and the burden on the cross. It's, it's like sharing your four-step and, and, and sharing it in the fifth step, and then the guilt and shame being removed. Because Jesus bore all the shame, all the guilt, all the sin that we would ever write down in regards to our personal inventory or anything in our, our eighth step. Jesus died for those things so that we could have freedom. The results of the crucifixion changed the course of humanity and, and what man meant for evil through killing Jesus, God meant for good. Now, if you go straight from Palm Sunday to Easter with, with no Holy Week, with none of the events of the, with Holy Week, with no Good Friday in there. You're simply going from celebration to celebration. The, the celebration of, of him riding into, uh, Jerusalem on Palm Sunday and into the resurrection from Hosanna to Alleluia, from party to party. It misses the fullness of the Holy Week. It's, it's kind of like empty calories, and it just doesn't fulfill. If you don't have the events of Holy Week that, that comes from that all the things that happen from Palm Sunday and from through Good Friday to Easter Sunday of his resurrection, if you don't get all of that, you're missing out. It's it's as what we say in the program, it's it's kind of like two-stepping, only doing the first and the twelfth step. Um, and you, you you're not really doing the work in the middle. Um so I want to go on a short journey with you where we experience the meaning and the power of Good Friday and the impact it has for us today um, and, and the importance of it today. Let me share a story with you. Several years ago, my youngest son was, was graduating from preschool, which is funny because I, you know, I don't... They didn't seem to get a certificate, but he was graduating from preschool, had the cap and the gown, it was a great photo op, and um, whole nine yards. 
And um, what was interesting is the pastor of the church, because uh, my son went to a Christian preschool, um, and it's actually where we sent all three of our children, he gave some words of encouragement to the parents at the conclusion of the ceremony. And he said something really interesting in regards to parenting. He said, the days are long, but the years are short. I mean, oh, when he said it, it just, it hit me. What a truth. I mean, most days, if my wife and I can make it back to the couch and by, by nine o'clock and not across the way to one another, it feels like a success. And, and that was the goal before COVID. And since COVID, you know, all schedules are out, out the, 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 the window. But being a parent, the days are demanding. The days are full. The days are long. <clears throat> Even uh, more so over the last couple years of, as we've experienced quarantining and homeschooling and lockdowns and then opening up and, and doing all the, the different things and, and all the, the shifting that's happened. The days are long. But the weeks have been clicking by pretty quickly. Talk to anyone whose children are grown and they'll insist on how fast it goes. Like a blink of an eye. They're all grown up. These parents often say, enjoy every stage. Embrace it. Now, as parents of children, especially if you have younger children, so often we want to just hurry to the next stage. Um, I remember when my oldest daughter, um, who just celebrated her 19th birthday, we couldn't wait until she could walk, which honestly was kind of a mistake. It opened up a whole new world for her, and we weren't quite ready for that as parents. Not everything was baby-proofed. All of a sudden, there were all these sharp edges and table corners that appeared that we had never seen before, all these new threats. The world got bigger for her. Ironically, when our second child started walking, I would just, you know, lovingly push him over, lovingly. Um, embrace the stage. You don't need to rush. Um, and then there was potty training. Oh, with the spacing of my three children, we were in diapers for 10 consecutive years. Just every, the children just sort of overlapped and, oh, that was a stage I was ready to get out, get out of. Um, even with the longest days, they feel short in the span of the years. Another birthday, another Christmas, another Easter, another school year. Where has it all gone? The days are long, but the years are short. The concept applies to a lot of things. If you think about a short-term mission trip, if you've ever gone on one of those week-long mission trips, you know, you go in and you have a lot of fear and concern. You're like, what's going to happen? And I'm kind of excited, but I'm kind of nervous. And the days are super long, especially if you're doing one where you're, you're building or doing some sort of work project. But the week is short. You put in those hard, long days. On Monday and Tuesday, you wonder how will you ever make it through the week. And come Friday, you said, where did the week go? It's often fulfilling to see the things that you've painted or the things you've built, and most importantly, the lives you've touched in that short period of time. And isn't that the point? A good friend of mine once prayed that the best gifts really do come wrapped in flesh. In other words, our relationships, 
the connections we make. Even God's greatest gift came wrapped in flesh through the life and ministry of Jesus. People matter, and that's why we respond to the gospel. And that's why we serve, because people matter to God. Drunks and addicts matter to God. The days are long, but the years are, or even a single week can be short. I mean, for those of you who've ever been to rehab, think of rehab. If you went for to a 28-day rehab or even longer, the days can be really long. But 20 day, 28 days is, is short. Flies by, you're, you're in the rehab and you're doing all those group sessions and you're going to your therapist and you're going to meetings at night and maybe you're in a sober house and you're doing these things and it, it seems like it's long and then before you know it, it's over. And you're happy to make it back to your bed each, each night. And then when you wake up, you do it again. And then just like that, it's all over. You're hugging your roommate and your counselor. You may even be crying and not want to leave the safety of this place. And you're hoping that you'll fight the odds, fight the statistics, and be the one that stays sober. When I share in rehabs, I look around the room and I said, there is no reason that 100% of you can't stay sober. We don't have to go by the statistics. You can stay sober. There's hope in that. Those days, some of those days can seem long, but that 28 days can seem really short. So I want us to remember Good Friday. Good Friday. The day is long, but his death was short. Good Friday was the longest day of Jesus' life. Jesus was arrested in the morning. While it was still dark, he was dragged before the Sanhedrin, the, the Jewish council, the most powerful religious and political body of the Jewish people. And so the, the Sanhedrin made the decisions affecting daily life. But a death sentence, they had to get approval by the Romans who oversaw everything. They couldn't do without the Roman approval so because the Jews were under the Roman rule, which is why... Jesus was sent to Pontius Pilate, the Roman governor in Judea. In the midst of this, while Jesus was being arrested, Peter, Peter, the disciple known as the rock, disowns and denies knowing Jesus. Pilate finds no reason to charge Jesus. When he discovered that Jesus was from Galilee, which was under Herod's jurisdiction, Pilate had Jesus sent to Herod, who was in Jerusalem at the time. So everyone's kind of playing hot potato here. No one wants to take responsibility. Um, Sanhedrin's hoping that the Romans will, uh, you know, put him to death. And, and so there's all these things going on. And Jesus, when he gets to Herod, he refuses to answer Herod's questions. So Sarah, Herod sends him back to Pilate. I mean, it's, it's all the, all these things are going on, all on, on this Friday. And although, Pilate found him innocent. He feared the crowds who wanted Jesus crucified, so he sent Jesus to death. And, and that picture of, of a lack of leadership, of that lack of putting your foot down as a leader of Pilate and giving over to the mob, and what that 
that then started, Jesus was brutally beaten. He was mocked. He was struck on the head with a staff and he was spit on. Crown of thorn was placed on his head and he was stripped naked. And let me, let me tell you about Jesus' whipping. The ancient Romans had perfected torture and they were efficient at it. They whipped with a cat of nine tails, nine leather straps with stone, <coughs> glass, rocks at the end of the leather pieces of the whip. They would whip and, and bring it down his back. So those pieces of metal and glass would go into the back and come down. So Jesus' back was raw. Is bloodied. He was whipped to an inch of his life. He was whipped 39 times, not 40, because the Romans knew 40 would kill you, but 39 would not. He was one whipping away from dying there long before he ever gets to the cross. He was then forced to carry the instrument of death that would ultimately kill him. He was forced to carry his cross, wearing that crown of thorns, jagged, stuck into his head, the sweat and the blood coming down his face, his back being completely shredded apart, the wood of the, the cross, the beam. He, he can barely walk bleeding and in excruciating pain. Unlike all the other criminals who had not been whipped, Jesus could barely walk, let alone carry his cross. As he stumbled and he, he grew too weak, the soldiers grabbed someone from the crowd, Simon of Cyrene, and forced him to carry it on behalf of Jesus because Jesus, he couldn't do it. Jesus was led to Calvary where soldiers drove stake-like nails through his wrists and ankles, affixing him to a wooden cross. The soldiers mocked Jesus, including hanging a sign with the inscription that read, King of the Jews, that they placed over his head. Jesus hung on the cross for approximately six hours until he took his final breath. While he was on the, the cross, soldiers cast lot for Jesus' clothing. Onlookers shouted insults and jeers. Two criminals were crucified at the same time. One hung on Jesus' right and the other on his left. At one point, Jesus cried out to his father, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Then darkness blanketed the land. As Jesus gave up his spirit, an earthquake shook the ground and caused the temple curtain to rip in half from top to bottom. Good Friday, the day is long, but his death was short. Let me share with you a series of scripture from the four gospel Gospel accounts of Jesus' death, a scripture mashup, if you will. Luke 23, 46 said, Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. 
When he had said this, he breathed his last. In the Gospel of John, verse 19, or chapter 19, verse 30, it says, Jesus said, it is finished. And with that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Matthew 27, 50 says, And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. Mark 15, 37 says, With a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. The curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the centurion who stood there in front of Jesus saw how he died, he said, Surely this man was the Son of God. And then in the Gospel of John again in the 19th chapter, when the centurions came to Jesus on the cross and found that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. Instead, one of the soldiers pierced Jesus' side with a spear, bringing a sudden flow of blood and water. Clearly, Good Friday, the day was long for Jesus, probably the longest of his life. He committed his spirit. He said, it is finished. What was finished? Jesus came to finish God's work of salvation, to pay the penalty of sin, to abolish the complex system of sacrifice. Jesus took on the sins of the world. He let out a cry and he breathed the la his last. The curtain of the temple was torn from top to bottom. I love this picture. Don't miss this. Sometimes we miss this. The curtain in the temple, it separated the presence of God from his people. And so the curtain of separation from God's presence was ripped from top to bottom, releasing the very presence of God to all the people, Jews and Gentiles alike. It spread to the ends of the earth. It was no longer confined. Jesus gave access to the presence of God. So the curtain ripped in the temple so that the presence of God could go out and be for all people, including you and me. The crucifixion was so significant. It was the culmination to a long day. Good Friday, the day was long, but his death was short. Now, Paul says that two crucifixions must occur on the cross. If, if you're to live a victorious, faith-filled, sober Christian life, it says two cruci crucifixions. First, Jesus' crucifixion, and then our own. Paul writes to himself, but may it never be that I would boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. To identify with Jesus is to identify with the cross. I love this picture because he says, I don't want to boast. I only want to boast in Jesus. That's exactly the process of the steps. When I say that I'm powerless, I'm acknowledging I don't have any power. And so when I acknowledge my higher power, my God, my Jesus, I'm saying that this power is greater than myself. So any success I have is far greater God's success than my own. So anything that goes on, I have to point to my higher power, which is exactly what Paul is doing. He said, that I'm, that it may, may it be that I would never boast except in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. And in, for us to identify with Jesus, it is always, it comes back to the cross. In other words, on the cross, Paul was crucified to all things and belonged, uh, that belonged to this world. 
We experience similarly. As addicts and alcoholics, we have been crucified uh, uh, to our addiction, to drugs, to alcohol. When Paul states that he had been crucified with Christ, he is saying that he's no longer alive to this world system, and he wants to and and wants to leave uh, any of this. He wants to uh, excuse me. He's no longer alive to the world system and doesn't want to leave God out of it. He's saying that he was crucified. We have been crucified to the idea that we can do this on our own. In recovery, again and again, it says we. Throughout the steps and the literature, we recover together. Even Jesus had disciples. Even Jesus had a we when he was doing ministry. This is not done alone. But when we look at the cross, when we look at that instrument of death that Jesus has been able to make now a sign of hope, when we look at that, there are two pieces. There's a vertical and a, and a horizontal, a vertical piece and a horizontal reaching out. The vertical piece of the cross, let us think about you and God. It starts by knowing God and understanding that he loves us. He loves you, each of us. He loves us. God's love is for you. Know today you are loved. And then reciprocating his love by loving God. So God loves us. And now we love God. Love God. We honor God. It's, it's through our spiritual awakening. And that, that's where, that's what worship is, is, is by going that, that vertical up toward God. That's worship. If the vertical is happening between you and God in a way that is real, that is way, in a way that is honest, and, in, in, we're left with no choice but to reach out to others. You have that horizontal, and that is about you and others. This represents our hands out to love one another. That's what the gospel is all about. That's what sobriety is all about. So often when we think about Easter and the cross and what it meant to us as individuals, let, let the cross not only remind us about the vertical, the up and down, the between God and us this Easter, let us also remember the horizontal, the, the, about the outstretched arms on behalf of others. Good Friday, the day is long, but his death was short. This Good Friday, I send you out with the challenge of looking for horizontal opportunities this Easter season, opportunities of service. Is it in your family? Is it a neighbor, a friend, a coworker? Who's hurting in your world? Who needs sobriety? Who needs to be encouraged in recovery? Who needs to be have the message carried to them? As you embrace the vertical, be sure that you also embrace the horizontal. Because Good Friday, the day is long, but his death was short. I hope you've been encouraged by this special Good Friday message. We encourage you to like, to share, to subscribe to Studio RC getting the word out so that people know that there, there is a thing for people, uh, people of faith and people of recovery and that we can combine both into one, one setting and that you can be encouraged in both areas.
So just remember that Recovery Church, there are 12 steps, but one goal. God bless, and we'll see you again real soon. Thank you. Oh, 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 oh,